Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the first interview for Modern Australian Underground. I am your host, Christina Papp. So today I'm talking with Andrea Blake from Melbourne synth-punk band Chrome Dome, the label Nihilistic Orbs, Vacuum and Asps, amongst other projects, and also Rebecca Mayer, who played bass and spotting and is in anarcho-punk band Vampire and now is working on a new synth-pop project called Syzygy as a duo with another member of Spotting. I've decided to talk to both of these people because I wanted to discuss the last 10 years of synthwave in Australia, specifically Melbourne, starting with a focus on nihilistic orbs and chrome dome and the effect that label and scene had on underground music leading up to today, including Rebecca's bands. So I'm going to get started. Stick around because it's super interesting and we have a few good laughs too. You're listening to the Modern Australian Underground. So my name's Andrea. Um, what I'm currently doing at the moment is not so much music, to mm. be honest. Uh, I'm kind of doing a lot of different film work. So like working on doing um, a couple of video clips for different friends. Mm. Um, that's kind of been my main sort of like creative trajectory at the moment. I'm sort of like doing music by myself that I'm not really interested or willing in like you know having a wider public hearing yeah yeah 
Um, I think maybe like picking through the bones of my psyche is not <laughs> really fit for public consumption at the moment. So, <laughs> isn't that what music's about though? It's like you put it out there and then you're just like, that is like your alter ego. Yeah, or it could just be like yourself and like, <laughs> that's really uncomfortable. <laughs> So, yeah, um, not really doing too much music at the moment. Mm. Um, more focusing on sort of like visual mediums of communication yeah. and doing a bit of writing as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like sort of anecdotal writing. I just kind of got encouraged to to do it by a few different people. And so I thought I might like give it a try. Like nothing's seen the light of day yet. But yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I think it's nice to create, do creative things and not feel like, it's only justified when when you show other people. Well, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's what this year has been a lot about for me. It's just like sort of creating without the pressure of um, having eyes on your output, I guess. Yeah. 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 And I think that uh, not having to perform Mm. because of COVID is kind of nice because you do get to just make things without that time limit or someone's expecting that you're going to play it live or if you have a new project that like when are you going to play a show Mm. or put something out you Mm. can just have more time to not have the expectation of that yeah and sort of technically you don't have the constraints of wondering how am I going to do this live because that's sort of not an option anymore so you can make something studio based and completely fantastical you know yeah totally I like to think that's I feel like that's been an adjustment for a lot of people but like over time it's like at the start, it's a scary thing, but towards the end of COVID, you kind of realize how, how good it's been as well, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. We're so wrapped up in like constantly having to play shows and, you know, try and keep up with everyone else that's also doing things mm. that when you're not keeping up like that, yeah, you just feel like you're not doing good enough or something. Yeah, totally having to like reevaluate your worth, yeah. like yeah, as, as not defined by any of your output, but oh, like yeah. how well you can just like sit with yourself. I did work for like nine months. I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, what about you, Beck? Uh, so at the moment I'm singing for a, like an electronic pop duo called Syzygy. Mm. Um, and I've been doing that with my good friend who I played in spotting with. Um, we've we're almost finishing recording an LP mm. and we put a tape out earlier in this year. And um, I think that it has been really great, as what you were saying before, Andrew, is that we started making the project never really intending to play live because we can't really play live. It's like the, there's too many synths. We can't do too much at once. Mm. And it's been awesome to release something and nobody knows that we can't play live because we're not <laughs> meant like we haven't played live yet. And uh, we probably, maybe eventually we would get a band together if we wanted to do a couple of shows, but it is just a primarily a recording project, which felt really scary at the start because you can't workshop stuff with an audience. Yeah. You can't figure out what works and what doesn't work. We have to rely on each other's taste and mm. uh, just do what feels right for us to make it, um, which is kind of great because then we get really obsessed with it and we really love it. And, yeah, um, uh, yeah you're, just, you're not really focusing on um, catering the music to sound like what gets a good response and what doesn't. You're just kind of making it because you like it and just hoping for the best. Um, and it's been great so far. Yeah. Plus, I feel like there's, like, so much, like, maybe it's just in Melbourne, but so much pressure to be like yeah like to be seen mm. and so mm-hmm. you, you constantly feel like you have to play shows i think you get worried like uh when i was in spotting we played so many shows like i felt like we were playing every every weekend yeah and in lots of ways that was really good like it gave the band a lot of visibility we ended up doing things that i think we maybe wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to do if we hadn't have been so visible mm. 
And so you kind of get that pressure of like, I need to say yes to all these shows, I need to play all these shows to make sure that people don't forget about you. And also like the social obligation social, yeah. of like it's oh, always man. like generally it's always like your mates or like your good friends who are playing. They're like, can you play this? It's like, I want to play this because you've done this for me. Yeah. And so totally. <laughs> it's just a never ending like death spiral yeah. of constant activity. And you see other bands, you're like, oh, they're doing so much stuff. Like, I'm not doing enough. They're, like, really putting it on. They're playing all these shows and they're releasing these records. Yeah. So when you take all that away, you can just kind of focus on the thing that you want to do from it. Well, especially when it's taken away from everybody. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, it's even mm, the playing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andrea, did you play in a hardcore band before Chrome Dome? No. Yeah, I thought I read somewhere on the internet, like when I was just doing a bit of research, that you played in a hardcore band before, before Chrome Dome. Oh, my I God. Like, no. What, no. You, was Chrome Dome the first band you did after moving down from Brisbane? After moving down from Brisbane, yeah. I did, like, a couple of bands in Brisbane, yeah. the last one, which was, like, night school, which was just, like, really fun and, like, yelly. It was okay. just, like, me and two of my friends, and it was just, like, drums and guitar and voice. And that was, like, heaps of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Then, oh, actually, I moved down to Melbourne. I played um, in a couple of just like one, two show bands with like different friends. One was like, oh, they all had like really terrible names. So yeah, maybe probably best I don't. Pushed it out of your um, yeah, yeah, You're Like I drank to forget. I've gone completely <laughs> blank. Um, yeah. So I can't Google it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just like very like Loki one or two show bands. Yeah. Um, then uh, after a little a little while after that, I was I'd, I'd known Sean previously from like when he came up to play in Brisbane, mm. um, and he had recently started. Chrome Dome and they'd released their first seven inch, the negative vibe seven inch. Oh, so you weren't on that one? No, that ah, wasn't okay. it. That was um, my friend Tara, who might be the other like low toned female oh, voice that, that you hear. She had like a cut hair. Uh huh. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had like a really I remember cut. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then after, after that, um, Sean was like, oh, do you want to, like, join this band? Do you want to play, like, synth in this band with me? And my friend, I'm like, no, no, I don't really know. <laughs> um, funnily enough, like, then I saw a show when they had a live drummer, and I'm like, oh, my God, this actually, like, ties it all in together really well. Because there was a point when Chrome Dome was just a two-piece. Yeah, it was just yeah. um, two synths and, like, drum machine. But, yeah. I saw their first show with a live drummer. I'm like, wow, this actually sounds really good. And I guess it just sort of brought a certain energy to it and, like, really, I don't know, I guess it, like, livened it and it was really impactful and it sounded actually, like, sick and hectic. Yeah. I'm like, you know, can I take you up on that invitation? (laughs) (laughs) So was that, like... um did you know, were you a part of that friendship group or that scene before getting into Chrome Dome? Or when you got into Chrome Dome, you became more a part of the Melbourne, that Melbourne scene? Oh, I guess I did. I guess like um, bands that I had in Brisbane played with um, Sean's band when mm. he came up and that's sort of how we got to know each other. But then, yeah, of course, like moving down, you know, you go out, you meet people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah you get, sure. um, but I guess I, I was always around that sort of like, you know, friendship group. Yeah. Yeah.
were you doing at the time back in 2009? I was living in the outer suburbs and uh, going to uni. And I used to go to shows heaps when I was a teenager. Right. And go to underage punk shows. Yeah. Um, and I think that the scene just got the punk scene anyways got really heavy at that time and it just wasn't really for me. So I kind of ducked out for a few years at that point. Right. Yeah, and didn't really come back until about 2013. All right. So I was kicking it out in Greensboro. I got to respect that, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I respect tapping out. Yeah, we yeah. all need a little break. I know. Yeah. I went to see some show. Like show, when my friends would play a bigger show, I would come. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, I, I also just had no... I had a desire, but I didn't realize I'd play music at that time, so mm. I was pretty separate. Yeah, was was there like was it something that you'd thought about and you're like it's not for me, or was it something you'd thought about and you're like I'd like to do it, but I can't see. I just how literally I couldn't see how I could do it. I could I couldn't have even pictured being able to play an instrument. Yeah, it felt like something would be literally never possible, and I didn't really know what I wanted either. I didn't mm. know what I wanted from it or I couldn't see it, a path to it um, uh, until a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. So when jumping ahead a few years before we moved back, when did you guys meet? Like, do you remember meeting? Um, I think or is maybe it just like a the, mash of parties. I think like the first time we met was like outside a toilet at some party. <laughs> That's right. Yes, it was a party at Bishop Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember meeting you outside of a toilet, but that was just like a very sort of like And I think it was one of those things where someone was like, this is the other loudest woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I really think that you guys are going to get yeah. Um And then it was like we got put on the spot. It's like, oh, yeah. well, now, I know I'm, loud, like, now really I've got to scream. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really moment. going to impress this bitch. Like. <laughs> your penis louder. Yeah. <laughs> but then I actually think I do remember one of the really early times we hung out. We went to a lock-in at a bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had just started practicing with spotting like I maybe had done two or three practices and I had like phone recordings like an yes. iPhone recording yeah 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 and I was really drunk and so I was really ex- <laughs> I was so excited because I'd never been in a band before and I'd never even had like any recording or anything I remember showing a friend and you were there and you're like just put it on whatever and I, then I was like it was really embarrassing but at the time I was, it didn't seem embarrassing or something yeah and I remember putting it on and you being really psyched for me I think you yeah. could see how excited I was and um yeah I really that I remember that really clearly it was really cool and fun I remember that we like put over the bar speakers and just had a listen what bar was, like, was it I think it was 99 problems oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. two in the morning yeah, yeah. uh yeah <laughs> Damn, that's perfect. Yeah, it was sick. <laughs> I love it. I, I especially, like, really love, like, bands that are, like, on their first practice that are, like, not together and it's all sort of, like, energy and nothing else. Yeah, like, yeah. And, for sure. Yeah, you can hear it, like, if it's there. And, I mean, it was there when I listened to that recording and it was really cool. Yeah. And I had to go then to the band and be like, oh, I've already let the cat out of the bag. I'm really sorry. Sorry, Ariel. I've let someone else do your vocals. No way. Um, do you, did you ever see Andrea playing live in any of her bands before you'd met her? No, I don't think I – I never saw Chrome Dome. Um, um, I don't think I'd seen – I don't think I saw you or anything until I had already met you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when we met, but I do remember I went – 
to Adelaide with Chrome Dome. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I got really drunk and just like fa- like bounced off a mattress and smashed my head against an amp at like oh, Animal no. House or whatever. Oh no! Yeah. I remember like going outside of that room that all the like the the like showroom that yeah. all the dudes were sleeping in because they were just hot boxing, and I was like, <laughs> I'm 24. I'm too old to deal with this shit. Like, <laughs> And we're still here. And here we are. Yeah, here we are. Um, yeah, no, that was that was a really interesting trip. I guess it was my first time uh, going to Adelaide, and I kind of didn't know anybody, and I was like feeling really weird, and uh, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, like I went up there on bus because I thought that would be a really good idea. <laughs> I <laughs> but then, but then I remember I went back to Melbourne with you ah. because, like, my partner at the time, I was like talking to them to the night before, like the the night of the show. Like the show was really fun. Like everything was great. We played the Metro. I think that was like really cool. Um, but I was like, I'm just like, you know, I just was tired. I was not feeling the city. Like yeah. I just kind of really wanted to be at home. My partner, like, bless him, bought a plane ticket for me that was leaving, like, later in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, that's so kind. Like, you bought me a ticket so I didn't have to, like, stay an extra day. That's really nice. But then, like, um, your friend was like, all right, like, all of a sudden she announced, like, all right, we're driving back to Melbourne oh, now, like, yes. in, yeah. like, <laughs> like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I just <laughs> get in, in with you? Yeah. <laughs> You should have flown. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a one-hour flight. <laughs> I know, right? I just kind of, like, want to go. And also, like, our friend MV. Yeah. yeah. She was, like, sleeping. She's like, hey, is somebody going back to Melbourne? Can I get in? <laughs> so she just, like, she's like, I left my underwear in that room. I just ran into the car. Like, <laughs> Did someone say getting out of Adelaide? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, escape from, escape from <laughs> El, Adel- El Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> so true uh um so well i guess i did want to talk to like i mentioned before um the scene around nihilistic orbs in terms of like because i remember going to like summer winds in brunswick Uh and that was around 2009 2010 so nihilistic orbs was happening at the time chrome dome was playing shows Magic Crowbar was happening. Uh huh. Like, yeah. Looking back at that time, like, how do you, how do you remember that time? Looking back, or like, where were you at, or how did you feel at the time around all the stuff that was going on? Um, really positive to be honest. Like, I went down to Sydney in maybe like 2006 or 2007 to play a Summer Winds there that they had at like the brickworks like in a park just who organized that one because that, that was Tommy sean oh, yeah that right. was sean south who like organized all the kind of summer winds yeah, so far back with just like a crew of ragtag helpers like yeah, i remember yeah. that one needed to be moved to a backyard because like the cops came and broke it up um but like just a side note it's really nice so we got a park like installed in that brickworks for um summer winds oh um, really yeah yeah there's oh, a little like memorial that. park there That's in the brickworks so nice. yeah which yeah. is really gorgeous so i was around there like pretty early i guess i don't know i think like there had been maybe two before that one as well yeah so it'd been going for ages. Um, summer winds. Do you need a top up? What was it like? <laughs> <Just kidding>. um, <laughs> and if more. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, that was that was um, really cute. And then when they were happening in Melbourne, mm. um, it was yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool to go see like shows, like kind of full like DIY sort of events with like maybe twenty bands on the lineup, just like kind of yeah. impossible sort of like tasks that are just like done. Like it's so scrappy, but it's also like so 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 fun and so cool to be there. Yeah. Um. I guess I'm like growing up in Brisbane, like I was so used to, like, going to house shows and stuff because in Brisbane, like, at the time there was, like, one or two venues and, you know, the same sort of bands would play. The bands that I was interested in, of course, were not commercially viable enough (laughs) to be in those two venues. The bands I was playing in were not commercially viable enough to be in those venues. And so there were just, like, a lot of house shows in, like, West End and Paddington and Petrie Terrace and it was sick. Like, it was so much fun, like, going to... Um, a place where there were, like, you know, no bouncers, no rules, Queensland being so incredibly heavily, like, policed. Yeah. Yeah, it was just sort of like an escape from that. And the Brisbane I know is, like, I think I started going up there around 2009, so the Brisbane I know is, like, the eternal sound check beginning yeah. and era. Like, and then... um. Not like a uh, negative guest list kind of uh-huh. era moving forward from that. So that was this like pre all that? That was kind of pre that. I mean, Matt Kendi, who did a Eternal Sound Check, would have shows at his house in Paddington like mm. constantly. And also, um, James Critzler would have shows at his house in Petrie Terrace all the time. I forgot the slug, the slug. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is kind of just a bit like pre slug guts, right, to be honest. Right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, moved to Melbourne at probably the right time to. That's be a whole other. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was it was just like such a sense of freedom, and that sort of like fostered, I guess, like musical freedom because. You could just like get your friends together and like I'm playing a guitar with a coat hanger, like you know. <laughs> and <laughs> someone is like, "Oh, do you want to like play this show at my house tonight?" I'm like, okay, cool, of course. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess like that's that's where I sort of like come from, and I guess that's been really good, like in terms of experimentation for me, because you know, like you're able to be in such a sort of like musically free space, like for better or worse, like. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but you're able, you know, you're able to sort of like take those risks and have them sort of like, I don't know, tolerated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that would be something discussed at Cafe Romantica at five in the morning. Oh my God, most absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs>
Dread comes tonight. 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 Nihilistic Orbs, Chrome Dome, and like the scene had a couple of years. And then in 2013, Sean passed away. Uh-huh. And it kind of felt like that scene, like Sean was kind of like everyone was each other's friends, but in a way, Sean was like, he did the label. Mm-hmm. And after that, like it kind of just like was like a sharp drop off in terms of like that label not being the support that the dark synthwave kind of like had before that yeah like what kind of happened or like what happened around the year post sean passing um in the year after that um uh, ben hepworth and i um sort of took over the sort of closure of nihilistic corpse because you know everybody decided it would be best if it didn't like you know, go on. We didn't want anything added to it. We just wanted it to be like a sort of time capsule of what it was. Yeah, um, which is what it is. Like, looking back, that's like it's been successful in that. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess because the label, uh, he had like, such, Sean had such a vision for the label and mm. you can tell that, I guess, like even in the in the artwork and like how it's printed, like um, that was like a pretty crazy busy year because like not to be cynical but I guess when there's like a pretty like talked about death everybody like just wants a piece like yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like this person didn't even know Sean and like they're yeah. like crying about it on the internet yeah you know? um and also in terms of just like I don't know like playing shows and stuff there was a lot of that going on um there was a lot of work in regards to like you know sort of like liquidating the label and getting the last like lined up release out and that all sort of like accumulated in november of 2013 with the um melbourne music week night that um at liberty social Uh, which was for um nihilistic orbs so that was like sort of signifying like the the end of all of it it. was like a closure of some sorts Yeah, yeah 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 so we got like all of the bands that were on the label to play uh in order of release at that show um and primitive calculators played in place of chrome dome mm. um a band which i later joined for a year in some sort of like weird synchronicity cool um are they still around Psst, couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they've been around for long enough yeah. they've been around for yeah. Long. <laughs> yeah. um so yeah that was like really nice in a way to sort of like wrap it up and I guess that kept me like busy during like quite a difficult time in my life. Definitely. Yeah yeah yeah. So it it was it was like weird and hectic and there was just like a lot yeah there was like quite a bit going on like personally and like yeah I guess like around around me yeah and I guess around the you know few few people whom it affected the most yeah definitely yeah 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 um in like in terms of music do you mean like I feel I feel like that the year following Sean's death was Mm. like 
really wild and, and wildly like popular for for the sort of music yeah. that was on. So it was still like that kind of like ripple effect of like the energy of like the label and the scene. It was still kind of going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I I feel like that continued for like I mean pretty heavily for me for like a a while after. Yeah. And then, you know, like, as things happen, like, the next trend was, like, Oz pub rock. And so (laughs) that happened, which is, like, fortunate for me because I was exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to step down that four-day party sometime. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So, yeah, like, that, 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 like, became the next kind of, like, cool genre, which, like, everybody gravitated to and, like, got a mullet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, like, looked at all of us. I'm like, oh, none of us have a mullet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a shag. Yeah. It's not a mullet. I feel like uh, synth punk that was more poppy or more accessible kind of came in between those two things. Like, I think that's where spotting, like, jumped right in. Mm. But, like, that, it kind of became maybe a little bit more garage influence or, like, a little bit more punk influence. But, like, took a bit of that, like, DIY and a bit of that darker synth stuff and put it with what else was kind of popular at the time. That's stuff true. like you know, as, as mutants, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Smash those things together before the pub rock thing kind of became really popular. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, which is, like, I kind of think is awesome as, like, we kind of maybe just made a more accessible version of something that had been kind of popular before. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did spotting start? Spotting started because uh, Ariel and I had always talked about how we had wanted to play music but didn't really feel like we knew how to. We had no idea how to play instruments. And um, uh, Gus and Ali were living at Catford at the time and uh, Brayden, who was the first guitarist, was uh, living down the street and we would just hang out all the time and, like, and Jack as well. And we just kind of went let's just give it a go. Mm. And so Jack never played drums before. I'd never played bass. Earl never sung before. And uh, we were like, look, let's just start practicing at cat food. And so every Sunday um, we stopped going out on a Saturday night and we would uh, get up on a Sunday morning and we'd have family (laughs) lunch and then we'd uh, buy a couple of slabs and we'd practice for 11 hours. Wow. uh, Because we had to learn how to play our instruments to do it. And um, I think we were listening to quite a bit of synth music at the time and like, you know, kind of really had to be really basic, a lot of really basic punk as well. Like I think we learnt like an au pairs cover and a knots cover and we were just all kind of best friends that we're really used to spending all of our time together anyways. So why not do it in a productive way? Why not do it in a productive way yeah. or a semi-productive way or, like, at least give us something new to talk about because we've known each other for 10 <laughs> years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and because we had cat food at the time, so we had a place that was for free that we could practice for 11 hours. Yeah. And um, it was awesome because, like, we could just – like there, we had the freedom and then like I was saying before when you have house shows and you have, like we played our first show at cat food and we had the freedom just to take it at our own pace and, and write all the songs and songs and learn how to play and our first show was at like at cat food in the room that we rehearsed in so the week before the first show I made everyone do a dress rehearsal where <laughs> it's set not up a wedding. exactly the way it was going to be set up like the drums everything was set up exactly the way it was going to be I think there was like four people like still left over from the night before there yeah. there were our audience and it was like exactly like the set was exactly how it was going to be that's exactly what you want to hear drums like after you've been at <laughs> oh, yeah. like, oh, oh my god <laughs> after you've been in a smoky room all night where yeah. you just needed some real like air shifting kick drum <laughs> You want to hear Ooh. a six-piece band that doesn't really know, know what you they're want doing? Your, like brain to rattle <laughs> in your skull. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it just really started from us 
wanting to spend time together and do something more than really ever thinking about what it would be as a band. Yeah. Um, and we practiced for, like, ten months before we even played a show. Yeah. Because we just had to learn so much before we got there. Um, but also then we came out of the gate and it was, like, as together as we could ever possibly That's make awesome. It. Yeah. 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 So, like, just jumping back to you, Andrea, so what were you doing in 2015 then? Um, what was I doing? I was doing, um, a solo project ASPS, um, which is like somewhat more experimental. It's kind of just whatever I feel like doing at that particular time. Um, at that particular time it was Ableton because I'd learned Ableton to be in, uh, primitive calculators and, um, do that for them. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so I was kind of like button pusher for that band for a year. Right. Um, which was really fun. I mean, we toured China. That was sick right. as hell. That was really fun. Like, Damn, I don't know a like, lot of people that have toured China. Uh, yeah, no, me neither still. Um, yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. It was really fun. And it was kind of great to be the only, like, young person on that tour, <laughs> to be honest. Everybody was in bed by seven. I'm like, I guess I'll just take myself out. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, uh, what I was doing at the time, still doing a lot of that. And, um, also in the very early stages of, um, my band Vacuum with, um, Jenny Brannigan, yeah. who was in Nun, who was on Nihilistic Corps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you ever, like, when was the first time you saw Spotting? Um, I saw their first show. Oh, yeah. you're uh, one of the people that was yeah, there for yeah, the yeah. night before. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 not quite, not quite. <laughs> I actually, I went there during so, the yeah, day because yeah. it was like after, um, Maggot Fest or something, wasn't it? No, it was uh, It was in February. Um, I can't remember. I know that I did absolutely nothing that weekend because I was so unbelievably terrified about playing. Yeah. But you did. You did you can, I think you were one of the first people there because I remember being so nervous in the back room and talking to you and you were so unbelievably supportive <laughs> and it was really it was I because I was yeah really really nervous but um it was kind of great in that sense that well as like so many of my mates came and yeah it was really fun yeah, yeah yeah no it was it was sick it was really fun yeah, yeah I kind of can't remember exactly where I was maybe I was at the back it was like pretty full yeah yeah yeah, I think the, by the end we had to just close the door because people being on the That's street. That's your first show. Yeah, it yeah. was That's awesome. Insane. That's and great. We headlined it because we booked it. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Why not? Sorry, rest of the band. Uh, <laughs> but also it was uh, the number one thing about cafe food is you just can't have people on the street. That's a bit the right Yeah, the yeah. Day, like, I you, think you told me off for smoking on the street. I at think I might have. Before we really like, knew we each can... other. <laughs> yeah. like, I take yeah. back all the positive things. I yeah. <laughs> Go on, out the window. Friendship. Friendship. <laughs> with Rebecca over. <laughs> now smoking is my new best friend. <laughs> Smoking's always been my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have knocked on quite a few people about drinking and smoking out the front. Yeah, I'm like, you can smoke inside. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's like the number one but thing also, the cops are going to come and then yeah. it's going to make everything a nightmare. So It's so hard. Like, it's a day a, away. Yeah, yeah, a venue like that, you just... You don't want it to fold, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. And, like, I think that uh, because it was also the home of people that lived in the band, there's that added stress of, like, okay, we're having a show here and we're playing our first show, so let's try and make this as smooth as possible. But everyone was great. We just closed the door because there were, like, people that couldn't get in. But um, I think there was a really nice spirit of lots of people who knew that we'd never played a show before and knew how important this was and we'd been mm. working so hard towards it. I think there was this uh, idea of, like, a bit of a breath of fresh air into the scene of, um, you know, like, young women being able to, you know, play shows or learn how to play instruments. And I think that as a band, we were genuinely just really excited 
We didn't have the cynicism of playing in bands for ages where you go, I can't be fucked playing this hard again <laughs> or, oh, I can't believe I said yes to this show. I don't even feel like it. Like yeah. everything we were doing just felt like the most exciting thing that had ever happened. And maybe that's a little bit infectious. People wanted to come and see the thing we've been talking about at kick-ons at well, 3 a.m. Ten, yeah. 10 months, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus it was at your own house so you didn't have to drive the drum kit anywhere. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like a house party. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. Have you guys ever played played a show together? We have yeah. quite a few, actually, yeah. um, with Vacuum. Spotting and Vacuum played together a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this before. I think the main one I can remember is we both played, played that Orion show at the Curtain. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, with yeah. Perfume. That, that was great. That would have been a great show. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, fun. They're all, like, awesome bands, Orion and Perfume. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a great lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And we've played... We played that Face Off Festival most recently when I, but I played oh, in yeah. Vampire. Yeah. 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 And Jenny was really pregnant. Oh my God. Yeah. She was like, um, she gave birth a week after that show. Yes. Wow. Like less play? than a week, I think. She yeah. Played. We played. Yeah. It's that year. Wow. I'm like, are you okay with the prospect <laughs> of maybe giving birth at the tote? <laughs> because like vacuum is so like bass heavy and that everything like, like vibrates. I'm like, we're going to shake the baby out of you. <laughs> are you sure you want to do this? That is the best thing anyone could like no one's done that before exactly i know i know every punk band i was having a kid on stage so impressed so impressed i'm like i'll deliver it i'll deliver it (laughs) i I, like you can like get down on hands and knees and i'll just be there like waiting to catch the baby and we can just like keep the backing track going it'll be fine (laughs) the baby starts crying goes into the loop yeah goes into a loop Oh my god. So sweet. <laughs> it's first show. Five yeah. seconds. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Damn. That's uh that's really impressive for um Jenny. Yeah, yeah. I was I was extremely impressed yeah. and terrified. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a real power move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean it's not going to be something I ever do. So no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> what have a baby or play a show? Uh, <laughs> like I mean, after COVID, I don't even know when I'm going to play a show again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like I mean, I know. For me, personally. I'm not rushing out to it. I have heard of like there are shows starting to happen again. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like anyone in the actual punk scene is rushing to put on a show at the moment. No. Mm. No, actually, Emma and I have been talking about um, doing a sort of, like, park show. Like, I guess, like, in the spirit of Summer Winds or whatever. Like, we were – because Emma's from Sydney and they had, like – I know – they were a lot more fortunate than in Brisbane in terms of like venues or whatever. But there was a similar sort of thing going on there when, where like a lot of the less sort of like vi- venue viable bands would be playing like DIY shows in, in yeah. at houses or in parks. And we were talking about how much we missed it. Yeah. And how this would be like maybe a really good time to do something. I agree. I was thinking of putting on a show at there's like a skate park in Preston. I thought would be oh really yeah, cool. but then you remember that you actually have to like do get shit. gear, <laughs> yeah, generator, yeah, yeah, fuck it, yeah. yeah. No, it'd be cool though. Like I, um, I remember like the summer winds. Um, it all seems so much easier when you're younger, though. Like, oh my now god, it just of seems course. Like, I don't know. Now so you're like, like old and tired. Like, oh, if the cops come, then I have to talk to the cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, like, it's really fun, and I kind of, like, just want to maybe, like, try it one uh, again. Yeah. And then probably, like, I'll, like, hate it because it's too much work, and then, like, 
not want to do it again. But like, just to like go to like a sort of hella scrappy DIY show and just really have fun. Yeah. yeah, Just like people, because it's just so easy. Like you can sit around, you can bring your own alcohol, you can Mm -hmm. come and go as you please. Like it's just a much more relaxed vibe than like being at a venue and knowing that you have to um, pay like $15 for a pint. Yeah. You've got to be crammed into like the one same smoking area with like people you've been trying to avoid. You have to go into a toilet to do drugs. (laughs) Yeah. Boo. Boring. I just just want the wind to blow away my key bumps in a park. I just want the wind to take it. (laughs) That shit is too real. Um, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, what time is, so Spotting played an outdoor show, uh, like a DIY outdoor show, when we went to Sydney. And we were playing in this, um, I guess it's like in between two warehouses. And uh, a dog ran, ran through. And Ariel, like, never breaks character. She never talks in between songs ever. Yeah. And she was, like, fully doing her thing and she was singing. But then that dog came through and she couldn't help it. She was just, like, reaching down and patting it. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm playing a show. <laughs> she was so excited. When did you guys go to Sydney? Um, we went to Sydney in 2017. Right. We did this really bizarre tour where we were meant to play um, Black Wire. And we had it booked. So that's the same. That's what it's called. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. We had to play Blackwire and it closed down. Like, we'd booked the show. We booked the rest of the tour. Um, it closed down and we couldn't find another venue. So uh, Jerry helped us organize a punk outside. Was it in, it, was it in a bike, on a bike path? I think it might have been. I don't know anything about Sydney because I've only been there like once before. Mm. And um, it had like a hill and then there was like a factory behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we played, there. we played there. I'd been um, to the path. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Um, we played with Oily Boys and Death Church and some other bands. But That's it was sick. Years ago. It was, it was actually really awesome, except the generator ran out of fuel halfway through the Uh-oh. show. So we had to go and get more. So I hadn't, we couldn't play until it was quite dark. And right. I can't play if I can't see the bass because I'm quite bad at bass. So some guy who's from Queensland, who's like a bikey, lent me his gas lantern and um, put it right next to <laughs> us so I could see what I was doing. And it was super sweet because I was really anxious and I was like, I'm never going to see the strings and I'm not going to be able to I play. I just imagined like you, like England 1820 with like a oh gas lantern. Like, it's your bass. Like, it's you me old bass guitar, Gaffner. Oh, I'm playing the strings, right, Emma? <laughs> It was fully like one of those. It was like stuck to an old gas lantern. I was going to say he just like shone his iPhone light <laughs> no, on he, it. No, he had like a camping one that goes into an LP, like LPG gas bottle, right? And yeah. he like set it up right next to my base. <laughs> and, I, and it was sick. We had a really, played a really cool show and it was really fun. And then um, Oily Blaze played after us. And um, Gary got up and like was in my spot because he was playing bass or whatever. And within one second, he just turned around and knocked oh, it no. over and it broke. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, I was like, oh, well, you got to play in the dark now. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. Yeah. I'm glad that we um, managed to find – it was because it was so hard at that time to find venues in Sydney. And um, we were kind of worried about playing outside. And it turned out to be one of the best shows I've played. It was really fun. I feel like um, with spotting, there was more of an opportunity to um, 
play with different sorts of bands. With Chrome Dome, did you feel like it was more of like there was like the scene was like kind of bigger of the same similar sound and you mostly stuck with that, whereas opposed to spotting like, you know, you play with Oily Boys, like a hardcore band. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's kind of opposite, to be honest. Yeah. Like I feel with um, Chrome Dome, we usually like either played with like noise bands or straight punk bands. Like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, I mean, like, until, like, the event of, like, Forces and Nun and bands like that, yeah. um, there wasn't really much similar to that around. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I feel like we were, like, you know, split between the world of, like, the sort of, like, arts people who made, like, completely abstract, like, noise music and then, like, the punk bands who, you know, did their punk thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, the punk thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I feel feel like it was um, sort of out of place, like, in in, at that time, like, I guess in the sort of, like, earlier days or whatever, yeah. I think when I I think back to, like, 2000, like, 4 to 2009 or 10, like, it is, that is what I remember it being, like, the kind of street punk and then that kind of noise and, like, maybe, like, you know, um, pathetic humans, so a little bit of power uh, a little violence, bit, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and, like, there's still people creating music, but the sound, even though it's underground, it's still, it's, like, changed a lot. Or maybe it's still there and I've just moved into, like, a different scene and I'm not aware of it anymore, you know? <sighs> Yeah, I feel like, I know, I know the noise people are still, like, oh, they're, like, twiddling knobs. I ran into most of them at a wedding last year. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, I guess, like, I don't know, it's great what it is. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, to be honest, I feel like... um, I know, like, from, from my sort of, like, sort of outside perspective, I feel like spotting were more, like, with the sort of punk bands of your ilk. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I think that I, what really probably tied us together more than anything is the fact that we were friends. Like, we played heaps of shows with Toll. We mm. don't really sound like Toll. We just really like everyone in Toll. And yeah. we just ended up playing shows with them. And we also kind of ended up playing a few shows with bands that had more of the queer or, like, uh, female participation element involved in it because um, they just asked us and they were really lovely and we ended up doing that, which was awesome. We ended up playing with maybe bands, like, that are a little bit more indie, a little bit more, um, like, garagey or whatever. But, oh, we've played, like, you know, bands like RVG. We don't really sound anything like them, but we just love what they do. And Mm. I I think I kind of liked that we also just said yes because we were just actually really excited to play shows. We just kind of said yes to most things that people wanted us to do or asked us to do. Yeah. Because we felt, like, literally thrilled that people, like, wanted us to play. Yeah. Especially at the start. So we ended up just kind of playing with whoever asked us to play. Yeah. Uh, which was great because then we would play lots of DIY videos like Hot Shots and, you know, and then we'd play Melbourne Music Weeks or we'd get to play bigger shows at the Curtain or whatever because we would just kind of would play yeah. whatever people really asked us to play. Yeah. Do you guys have an album that never came out? Yeah, so we recorded an album um, with Ev um, uh, maybe in 2018, I think, and it's almost finished. And I think it – I'm hoping it will come out one day. It should come out. It should. You know, it's – it is actually – it's – the thing that's, I guess, frustrating about it not being out is – 
all of our earlier releases, the seven we did and all the shows we played was us figuring out what we were doing. And then I think this album is kind of us knowing where we're going to go. Therefore, I, I think it has um, all the same like energy of the excitement that we had with playing with one another and being really good friends and, and loving the project, but just with a little bit more technical ability mm. and a bit more courage to play things differently. A little or, more confidence. Yeah, and to try stuff like, you know, we're going to use a space echo, we're going to use different techniques that we didn't know, let's put these drums through a rap pedal and like and play around with it. And we had a little bit more um, studio time than we all the, the tape was done like in cat food and everything else we'd done was done on a really tight budget where we had a bit more time and space to work on it. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that it will come out um, eventually. I just that thing is like, does anyone still care? Will you still want to do it? I think it, I think. I think yeah. so. I think it would be – I think even if it was just for us to say – Hey, we did finally get there. And, you know, by the end, like, Errol's songwriting was, like, great. Her lyric writing was great and her performance is really great. And I think we just all kind of knew what we were doing more. I feel like putting out that album is also a form of closure as well. It's like that whole time, like, it's like they were all your best friends. It's like there was a big time in your life. Absolutely. And we didn't didn't necessarily know that we weren't going to play again or we weren't going to do stuff Mm. when we did finish. So I think it would be really nice to – and it's it's like 80% mix and it will probably get there eventually – and, yeah, I think just to have that closure um, because it was such a amazing time, especially for me, um, I never would now do all the things that I do now mm. if it wasn't for that band being so unbelievably supportive, be having heaps of room to learn how to play instruments and also the response was from the community was amazing. I think that so many people were so excited to have people like, like me and Ariel that have been going to shows since we were 15 Yeah, or now in bands and to be that excited about it. So, yeah. yeah, I think that it was the culmination of us really loving it and people being really, really supportive to us. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Andrea, you mentioned at the start of the interview that you were, like, doing some video stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I was talking to you some other time and you were talking about your – are you doing some video stuff for V at the moment? I am. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I feel like V is someone like in that kind of contemporary dark wave synth kind of like has that kind of sound. And I guess I kind of wanted to ask what you were doing with them and also who they work with and like what that sort of scene is like. Oh, uh, okay. Like I feel like if I had to, like, put V in any kind of, like, scene, I yeah. guess it would be, like, the sort of, like, aforementioned, like, sort of queer queer musicians. Okay, like, yeah. that, like, I, I hate to describe, to use that as a, as a describer, but, like, it is a kind of... A part of their identity? Well, it's just, like, a kind of scene that is sort of... The music is so diverse, mm. but I guess it is a group of people brought together by identity. Yeah, like... Um, yeah, so, regard- so it's less about the music, more about like. Well, like, like it definitely is about the the um, the music, mm. but it's not necessarily grouped by genre, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so like, I guess that's where I'd sort of put them, and their genre is like, I guess, dark wave. Mm. So yeah, what I'm doing with them is. Uh, Sort of, I'm we're like in the sort of formulation stage of two different videos. Cool. I am still pretty like fresh at video making. Like I did one for uh, Mollusk a few years ago. Ah, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 
but I've decided that's kind of more where I want to spend my like time and energy at the moment since I'm like not necessarily like feeling music as a as an outlet like yeah, yeah I want to do more sort of like uh visual stuff so yeah we've been like talking through ideas and you know how do you like how do you visualize sort of like a song about like, you know, self-surveillance or like self-sabotage and trying to like work out those sort of, um, I guess like visual metaphors within a budget of zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like as well for myself, I've become more visually creative and I think it's, it's a nice thing to be able to move into a different area and still take the creative things that you did in music and apply it to somewhere else with like a loose, Mm. like a similar formula. Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. And I think that really works specifically like for the, for for me, it's for like the rhythmic parts of um, making visual images to go with music. And so it would be like in the editing. So you know how to like listen really actively and closely to a song and find like the small the small bits and small rhythms that fit together as a, like how you can cut images together that, you know, they fit, but they're not necessarily like obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so can I say that I think that making film clips now is one of the best ways to get people interested in mm. the music you're making, especially yeah. during COVID when then like we released it when people hadn't seen a band mm. recently and I, people that I think that wouldn't have normally listened to the music or it just got shared so many more times. That's awesome. Because I think that there is a magic in a film clip that it feels engaged, especially, like, for us because it's pop music mm. and people almost want to see, like, a pop star or something and get to have that engagement with it. But I think people just genuinely really appreciate visual, like, the visual medium put together. Mm, yeah, and, and, like, now, like, especially, like, maybe it's, it's always been this way for, like, pop music, I guess, so, like, heavily commercial pop music but even now like a visual representation I guess of a music artist is more and more and more important like I guess it kind of like blew my mind like bands like Habits or something like yeah. that with a like super strong like super curated visual present and so how, striking yeah so striking like how impactful that is like their incredible like press shots and videos like how impactful yeah. that like is on their sort of it music. makes sense though because like people love Instagram they love looking at photos and mm, stories yeah. and stuff and and that's what like video clips are it's like you get to see the music and see the band you know yeah like yeah visual thing especially when it is maybe in more of a recording project or something where you haven't seen that band play live before and you mm. just don't know anything about them like mm. with scissors we have one photo that's like uh, we're not even in the same room it's just like together. <laughs> um and i think when gus and i were making this i'm really into like 80s pop music like i love belinda carlisle and the go-go's and that kind of stuff and mm. so he was like he would get parts of um, to storyboard it. He cut out bits of Belinda Carlisle's, like I think a summer rain video, um, to show me what to do. He was like, "Do you reckon you could like turn around like that? And we're gonna have a medium shut up with you, shut up your mouth." Gus did this, yeah, That's and cut great. it into into a video just because we couldn't see each other because it was COVID. Yeah. So to try and get him to like him to be able to explain to me kind of what he was thinking for me to do because I had to film it all myself and I had to like tape an iPhone to a mirror, and he was like, "Okay, we're gonna need a mid shot, we're gonna need a close up shot," and to show 
showed me what he what he kind of had in mind. Yeah. He would then cut in videos of Belinda Carlisle. And it also kind of made sense to me because I was like, okay, so this is really, really, this is pop music essentially. Yeah. And if you, these are the idols that you love, it kind of gave me a, instead of just being like, okay, do something in front of a camera. Because I find it, I never imagined myself to be in a really visual, um, to be to be able to be seen in that way. Yeah. Going from someone who literally never even played a show five years ago yeah. to have people seeing you so clearly was really scary. I think you mentioned about it earlier about having an alter ego. It almost feels like this pop star, yeah. I have to get into the mind of an alter ego. Yeah. So pretending to be Belinda Carlisle was a really good way for <laughs> me to awesome. imagine what I had to do. So it had, because like, otherwise I, I had to fake it till I made it. Because there's yeah. no way I would have had the confidence to do it otherwise. How about, like, how do you feel when you're on stage? Like, I mean, you've been doing it for a while longer. Is it just something that's just, like, a natural thing now? Um, No, not really. I don't think getting up in front of a bunch of people is ever going to be natural. <laughs> like, people, like, go, what didn't, like, you know, hunt and gather for this. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, performing is, like, a highly unnatural state. And I don't know. I don't know necessarily like feel like I need an older ego but I feel like I do need to completely disassociate from myself (laughs) Um, in order just to like be a person in front of a lot of different so people. Just pretend like it's okay. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. You just have to like pretend like it's cool, which like is unfortunate because I would, what I would really like to do is do the whole like performance thing when people talk about, oh, I get this like energy from the crowd and I just feed it back and, you know, I, <laughs> um, you know, I have definitely felt that, but yeah. like for a lot of the time, I feel like I'm trying not to freak out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and so, like, it's it's you kind of like just retreat mentally. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like performing to me still doesn't feel natural. Sometimes it feels more natural than others. Like, and then like having like a few shows where I've like really loved it and enjoyed it and felt like super present and super into it but I don't necessarily think I'm a performer or a front person like Mm. as much as I am somebody like who likes to um do things in the background I guess yeah 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 as as much as I'm somebody who would like to you know create or produce or or do the more sort of like cerebral parts of it. Well, I think it's also, it's good that you go through that anyway because it gives you a better understanding of like when you're like doing your videos and you're being creative in that way, you know where the person like that is singing in the video, like the performers are coming from, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Perspective. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And, you know, I'm always like... You know when you, like, ask your friend to take a photo of you and then they just, like, snap it and yeah, they're like, okay, yeah. that's done. Like, yeah. In your direction. Yeah. 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 It looks weird in there. Yeah. Like, why did you take it from down there? Yeah, yeah exactly. There. So they took three. I need 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I need choices. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of like with directing, you know, like you yeah. always want somebody to kind of, like, tell you what to do, to tell you what looks good, to, like, sort of tell you their vision. Like, I feel like at this point in time that's what i'm kind of really geared towards and and good at yeah yeah off the top of your head is there a live show um that has had a big influence on you and when you think about like 
back in your past something that's like had an impact and made you go a certain way in music? Is there a show that you can think of? Um, I mean, for me, like, I guess in terms of the performance thing I was talking about before, uh, I went to see Grace Jones a couple of years ago and that was like so huge for me. I think it was like the best live show I've ever seen. Like, and it's just something where you come out of it feeling like nourished. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like um, it's it's so rare I get that that feeling after seeing live music or whatever. But that was so incredible, and I guess that's um what I'm talking about in terms of like a connection with the audience. Like uh, I guess she like well, she's an incredible performer. She's been doing it forever, and you feel like so incredibly I guess connected to her and to her performance, and she projects herself so so well and so like incredibly forcefully that it just like fills up this huge room and it was amazing and like all of her props like cost three dollars but were impactful into like she can like make a roll of fabric into like you know a rolling storm cloud it was amazing right yeah and like her performance and her personality and of course her music was was that um at the palais right yeah yeah Mm. yeah that was like really incredible and that made me think a bit differently about performing i guess like Yeah. yeah yeah that gave me like a sort of different different thoughts about performing which i would like one day like to try out yeah just when you think like this is like i'm trying my best and then you see someone like that and they just break through the roof for you and you're like yeah. there's all these other things that i could be doing and i just never even knew about it yeah you know? yeah, yeah 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 that's awesome i think for me in the last 10 years uh none was actually a really big one for me and i, I think the same thing for ariel as well yeah where we just loved that band so much and we loved going to see watch, watching jenny perform and it was one of those things where you just feel like it's so huge and playing music in that way is something you'll never be able to access. And then we met Jenny and she was so supportive and then we started playing music and then you realise you can kind of cultivate some of those similar feelings. Then we played a few shows with them and that was the really big moment for us where we're just like, oh, we like a couple of years ago we were fangirling so much about this woman and now we're playing shows with her and yeah. realising that uh, the scene is more welcoming than you think it might be. Yeah, you just sure. got to find the right people or you just got to – and maybe they're ready for you to be there too and they mm. want you to be there. And uh, that was really exciting, I think, because so having this band that we'd really loved and then being able to actually play with them and yeah. then play a few shows with them. And and they're, and they're nice people as well. And they're well, amazing you know, and they yeah. were so supportive. And, you know, it demystifies this thing of, like, these people that you've seen that you just think that they're – you know, too it's, cool. it's not – Yeah, too cool. Not, not even too cool that they're just, like – they're magicians that are like playing music that you'll <laughs> never be able to play ever before, ever like that you'd never be able to have that talent. Yeah, and then realizing that uh, this that's a great thing about the scene is like then you get to play shows with them and then like you learn heaps of stuff or yeah it's it it was great. That's awesome. So, what do you think's going to happen next year in ter- terms of music? Like, do you think things are going to be majorly different from COVID? I guess like and also judging that off like. Yeah, being in the scene for a while and seeing the waves and trends that have happened. Do you have any predictions at all for next Um, year or you just don't know? I kind of think, like, I know a lot of, I mean, us 
in particular, but probably a wider range of people are pretty like t- were pretty like tired and frustrated mm. by live music because it just keeps happening, which is like like you know like it's a luxury problem. Truly, yeah, like no, I understand this. Yeah. It's like a luxury problem, but like you know, um, I think that there will probably be like a refreshed sort of like mm. enthusiasm for like a, you know a live show and what people have to deliver yeah. when you're live and seeing a band in person and there is that energy like maybe that will be refreshed once that happens again mm. um but also i think there'll just be a lot of projects from people who manage to like figure out how to record stuff by themselves and got all sort of like introspective or they were like processing their entire lives over this six month lockdown or whatever you know I think it's I think it's probably gonna go like there's gonna be like a schism both ways it's gonna be like the the live music energy which will be like highly appreciated and fetishized again yeah and also there's going to be um a lot of like people um navel gazing but like, I mean that has negative connotations I guess but <laughs> <laughs> but no not really like a lot a lot of people um figuring out stuff by themselves and getting a lot more experimental yeah I think we're also in this weird point right now where there's no vaccine Australia is essentially covid free but we can't travel and tour but also because there's no vaccine, we're still – we want to go and do shows, but we're still – like there's still that caution about like mm. – Does it feel worth it, you know? Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it is a, is a local punk band yeah. worth, worth <laughs> the, the risk of having 200 people all Is that a rhetorical right question? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that um, something that could be interesting is that there will be probably no touring bands from other, other countries for probably 12 mm, months. Yeah. Um, so when shows do start up, it'll all be focused on... Um, Bringing people on, over. On, on, local, on, well, on local bands like, ah, for right, the next yeah. year. And I think that, weirdly, I've heard of a few people that have started new projects and mm. new bands. So And have had kind of taken this had taken time to like write stuff and maybe write, do some new things. But um, I actually think I think I agree. I think there'll be lots of um, electronic stuff, lots of stuff, a lot of bedroom projects, a lot of stuff, solo stuff, or you know, small teams making stuff, which I think will be really cool and interesting. And there'll be less focus on having to play live all the time in order to be seen or in order to stay popular. But I think in the last few weeks, I've realised that you know everything goes back to normal really, really quickly, mm-hmm. and that maybe in a six, in six months' time it will just resume. But hopefully, with a bit more energy, and we will appreciate a little bit more, and we won't drudge our feet about the, when we say yes to a show, and then the Friday night, you're like oh, I'm so tired, mm. I wish I wasn't doing this. We'll actually appreciate that, like that we are out there, and that we do get the problem of there being too many shows to go to. Mm. Yeah. I was like, I know other cities don't have as many shows as us, so I tried to appreciate it on that capacity, but at the same time, there's so many shows that you feel like you have to be at all of them. That yeah. It's just like, yeah, or that either, like, thing, none you know? of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, like, the, the feeling of getting home after work on a Friday and your whole body being, like, tired on a cellular level. You feel like 
the cells that formed like in the primordial like soup <laughs> are tired. You were just fucking tired. And you have to go out and like DJ, like play a show or something. And every part of your body, like every microcosm of your body is just like, lie down. Put on track pants and lie down. Like I can't. When you go off at the show, you're just like, oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. All these bands are yeah. so great. I'm yeah. so excited. And the Friday night you come home and you're just like, I hate this. I've quit the band i'm sorry yeah i think that in covid i've made more music than i ever have Mm. and i have enjoyed making it more than i ever have and i um had the time because i wasn't working that much because i couldn't do my job yeah um and i just set up like a the the worst home studio you've ever seen. Like my desk is a, is a sawhorse with a wood, piece of wood over the top of it and like a, like a secondhand interface or whatever. But it was awesome because I just had so much time to think about it and uh, i am got the privilege that Gus will just send me the songs mm. and then I can I – and I use Audacity. Like it's free from the internet. I don't really know how to use um, any kind of music software but I just watched some YouTube tutorials and got a microphone – and then I just had months to yeah. write songs and then, like, send him a version and be like, what do you reckon? He's like, yeah, this bit's good. Maybe we could do that bit. Whereas normally I just feel like I've got to fit in two hours of music along my full-time work and all yeah. the things I'm doing. And because I couldn't play in Vampire either, I had to. I just really had the one thing to focus on. And I reckon I made more music. We Like, we wrote more than we did in the year before that in yeah. three months. I do love how people got creative over the COVID lockdown. Well, I mean, you documented it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't do it for that reason. I just did it because I had nothing else to do and I figured nobody else did either, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome though. Like That's we sick. put our first thing out mm. through that and yeah, yeah. it was we were like we'd started writing, we've been doing stuff for a while, but that was the fire under our ass to be like, Okay, are we actually actually gonna release something? Are we like what are we actually doing with this? Mm. And to get it all finished, like so we had bits and pieces and we like it was great because we had a reason to put it all together. And it felt really appropriate because we are a band that can make music without even ever seeing each other. Mm. And we did get that, that we had COVID was a kind of our, our time to cult, like cultivate all of that. So I really appreciate, appreciated the, um, the comp. Also, yeah. people heard it that because we ha- can't play live yeah. and we'd never done anything before and we were a brand new band, I don't think without something like that. And, like, you know, the whole world was kind of looking at it, like from uh, like a DIY electronic music scene or whatever. Mm. And it was awesome. People listened to our stuff that never never would have if mm. you hadn't put the comp together and it kicked the tape we ended up putting out. I think that was the reason that people listened to it was because we had that. So I'm glad. I really appreciate that anyways. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a super cool thing to do and also a super cool thing to have a document, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a, a really like, I'm sure other like, you know, like isolate and other sort of like yeah. um, initiatives have come out of like well, very like different. COVID specific, but this is like, I guess it's just like a really like sort of community specific mm-hmm. documentation and like ar- archive that I think will be looked back on in like years to come as like a really interesting record of the time. Well, yeah, I still have more to sell. So if anyone wants to, buy <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, someone asked me, they're like, "Oh, we have songs. We'd really love to put it on." The next one, and I was like, "There's not going to be a next one." Oh um, yeah, it's like, does anybody want to go and yeah. spread? Yeah, yeah. you just I become know, exactly. a super spreader, yeah. Christina. Like, <laughs> in order to get a new one out, there needs to be another team. It's like, hey, my little vector, get out there! <laughs> oh man, you're like, yes, live shows, great idea. Have them again. <laughs> <laughs> Save live music. 
this is coming to the end and I would like to ask if there's anything you guys, if there's anything I missed that you feel like you want to talk about or anything you want to add. Specifically, I can't think of anything, to be honest. All right. Well, thanks a lot. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. A big thanks again to Beck and Andrea for coming into the studio and having a chat with me today. It was really interesting to learn about what they'd gone through leading up to getting involved with the projects they eventually became involved with and the influence the music had on the punk, queer and electronic scene as well as the impact those scenes had on them. It was a really fun time and stay tuned because next week I'm bringing you another radio show with lots of great Australian music. Don't forget that you can hit me up at litmus.media if you have a question or if you have anything you want to pitch to me. And if you want more information on things I talked about throughout the episode, there will be links and um, some breakdowns in the episode bio at litmus.media. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review so other people can find this podcast and so that you can stay up to date with the weekly happenings on the modern Australian underground. Media.